This morning's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. That can be found on page 1145 of the Pew Bibles. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, Costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. This is the word of the Lord. And as we start, I wonder if you've, if you've ever been to something that, where the view you've got isn't quite what you've expected. Maybe you've worked hard, you've got a good deal on those tickets to the theatre or um, some kind of music performance or a sports um, event. And then the tickets come through, and on there in bold writing is, there may be a restricted view. And so then you turn up, and maybe a restrictive view. I mean, if anyone can look through a pillar, maybe that would help. But maybe you've had something like this. Um, someone going to Queen's Park Rangers ground, not quite getting the view um, you would expect, not being able to see most of the pitch. The irony is the photo's not great quality, so you guys don't have a great view of it either. Um, but it's really important, right, to get the right view. And not just maybe when you get tickets to some kind of show, but maybe you could apply that even here as you come to church and you pick your seat. You want the right view, right? So you can see what's on the screen. And then you see maybe Rob comes in and sits right in front of you. And so you're thinking, oh, how on earth am I going to be able to see the screen? We're here in the middle of our series in 1 Corinthians. And we see here a church that Paul has planted A church where Paul is no longer there, but has received word from them, and what he hears isn't good news. A church that loves wisdom, 
but is looking for its wisdom in the wrong place. A church that actually thinks it's better than it actually is. A church that has got the wrong view. And so Paul writes to them, and so we hear and benefit from this letter this morning, warning us against having a wrong view. And so says, look, if you want to be a church that is able to flourish, you need to have a right view. So in our passage this morning, we see three things where Paul tells us to get a right view. Here's the first one. He says, get a right view of yourselves. Get a right view of yourselves. Have a look at verses 1 to 4. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Here we get almost Paul's assessment of the church. And it doesn't make for good reading. It's a bit like the bad school report maybe you got when you were younger. And yet here, it's as bad as it can get. Have a look down at the ways that Paul describes the Christians in Corinth. He says, I can't even address you as people who live by the Spirit, because you are still worldly. They're thinking like mere human beings. They're thinking like the world thinks. In fact, Paul says, calls them mere infants in Christ. This word infants is, is literally baby. Paul says, you're acting like babies. You see, when I first came, I gave you milk, not solid food. And what I hear is, sadly, nothing's changed. You're not ready to eat with the grown-ups. You're still babyish. It's almost as an effect you've not gone beyond potty training. They're having worldly attitudes, Paul says in verse 3. He points out what they are, jealousy and quarreling. You're just like squabbling toddlers. You're acting like the world acts. You're acting like mere humans. And it's important to note here that Paul is not saying that they're not believers, they're not Christians. We've seen already right at the start of 1 Corinthians how Paul addresses them as believers. He makes clear that he thinks they are saved, they have faith, chapter 2, verse 5. Even in this passage, he addresses them as as brothers and sisters, verse 1. He does say they're in Christ, verse 2. But rather he's saying, look, even though you have the Spirit, I'm struggling to be able to address you as people who have the Spirit because you're acting like those who don't have the Spirit. You're acting like the world acts. You're acting like mere human beings who do not have the Spirit of God living inside of them. You're thinking and you're living as if you don't have the Spirit. Stop thinking. Stop behaving like mere human beings. And so he calls them toddlers, infants. And this language would have been a real insult to the listeners, to the readers. He's saying they're immature. This phrase, I gave you milk rather than solid food, it's not as if there are different truths. It's a metaphor for the, for the teaching that Paul gives them. And it's not as if there's different truths for different people. 
but rather it's, it's the same truth, but pitched at different levels depending on where you're at. So right now, the children and young people will be getting teaching that is pitched appropriate for them. And so uh, Paul says that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is both milk and solid food. And so I need to work out where you're at to know what I give you. But it's both milk and solid food. As someone once said, the gospel is shallow enough for a child not to drown and yet deep enough for an elephant to swim. The issue is the Corinthians are still in the shallow end. And yet, as the Corinthians would have heard this, this would have really bitten with them because they think they're, they're okay to be in the deep end. They think they are something. They think they're mature. They think they're spiritual. They think they're complete. Their complaint is, why are you not treating me like adults? Maybe you've heard that if you've got children arguing that they should be treated like adults. It's almost as if the Corinthians are saying, look, you gave us gospel for beginners when you first came here, and, and that was right then. But now we need more advanced stuff. We're now ready for the advanced stuff. You're still giving us beginner stuff. You're treating us as if we're adults, but still watching the baby TV shows like Bluey or, or Mr. Tumble or whatever your children might watch. And yet Paul responds and goes, no, 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 you're still behaving like you're in primary school, if that. One of the things that um, Lily enjoys eating is one of these, uh, Ella's Kitchen, Food Pouch, uh, other brands are available. Um, They're not great, to be honest, Um, but uh, Lily really does, I nearly said Rosie, Rosie doesn't like them. Lily does really enjoy them, our two-year-old daughter, so much so that I had to make sure this was hidden as um, she came in this morning. Look, I don't know what your lunch plans are after the service this morning, but if you're going somewhere for lunch, could you imagine your host bringing you your plate and handing you one of these? And you're going, what on earth are you doing? And then going, you know what? I've seen the way you act, and I think this is quite appropriate for you. (laughs) Look, Paul is saying we need to get a right view of ourselves. Paul says to the Corinthians, you're mere infants. Why? Well, in verse 4, Paul returns to an issue that he's already mentioned in the letter. Have a look down. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men or mere humans? Rather than feeding on the spiritual truths from God, the Corinthians are just dwelling on the outward appearance. And so they attach themselves with their favorite preachers or leaders And so if you're not following my one, you're not quite there, are you? Look, it's worth noting, I think, Apollos has come up a few times, and Apollos is mentioned in Acts chapter 18 as the kind of preacher or leader that the Corinthians would be impressed with. We're told he's competent in his knowledge. He's eloquent. He's an enthusiastic speaker. And it's interesting that when Paul talks about him and Apollos, he doesn't see any kind of rivalry between them. Apollos is a good gospel guy, teaching gospel truths. And so Paul is saying, look, we're partners in the gospel. We're not the issue. The way you have attached yourselves to me or Apollos or any other leader, that is the issue. You're playing spiritual top trumps with your favorite leader. And so as a result, Paul says, there's rivalry, there's division, 
You just aren't in it together. Paul says, get a right view of yourselves. You're being childish. I wonder what the dangers could be for us here, the the kind of things that we could get caught up upon, so distracted from, that Paul might look at us and say, look, I'm not sure you're ready for solid food yet. Making sure or looking at others and going, "Mm, they don't go to the right type of church. Or looking at us or others and going, what, are they being successful? Maybe it is even attaching ourselves to leaders or preachers, ones we might listen to or um, read books from and say, that's the right type of person. Paul warns, don't have a wrong view of yourself. Get a right view of self. And then second, he goes on and carries on this theme of Paul and Apollos and says, look, you need to get a right view of your leaders. You need to get a right view of your leaders, verses 5 to 9. He expands on this issue and says, verse 5, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Paul says you've got a completely wrong view of your leaders. It's wrong. It's unhelpful. It's harmful. He says get a right view. And so, if you notice, he uses a couple of different metaphors to help us understand what he's saying. He takes us out to the field and then takes us into the building. Have a look at what Paul says about himself and Apollos. First, verse 5, he says we're servants. This, this is a, a deliberately low-status term. Someone who literally serves tables, cleans the dishes. Uh, Corinthian church, Paul, Apollos, that's who we are, just servants. Paul is, is, is deliberately inverting the Greco-Roman values and vision of leadership. The, the people that you look at and look up to and hold up so highly, that great speaker, Apollos, yeah, he's just a servant, Verse 6, we're just farmers who, who plant and who water. Paul is just a manual worker to whom Greek listeners would go, that is not a good profession to have. Verse 7, he says, I'm nothing. We're just, verse 9, fellow workers. Paul just looks to, to kind of diffuse the personality cult um, controversy that is going on in Corinth. He says, Paul, Apollos, other leaders, we're just servants. And you notice in these verses how he couples describing who he is with trying to lift up high who God is. And so he says, verse 5, whilst we're servants, it's God who gives us the task. Verse 6, we planted, we watered, but it is God who gives the growth. Verse 7, the planter, the waterer, we're nothing. It is God again who gives the growth. It is he who is everything. And so, verse 9, do you see how often he says it's God? It is, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. 
The Corinthians put so much emphasis on the human leaders that they miss where the growth really comes from. It is God who saves. It is God who forgives. It is God who gives life. It is God who grows every single Christian believer. It is God who grows every single church. Only by his grace, his mercy, his strength, his power. It's the picture, if you like, if you can remember back to that time when you were younger where your teacher told you to take a, little, a few seeds on a piece of paper back home and, and if you water them, they will grow. And if you're anything like me, you take them back and say, no chance. And yet, if you water them, a few days later you come back and you've got watercress. Paul says, look, I just planted, Apollos just watered. It is God who does the growing. So Paul says, get a right view of Paul or Apollos or whoever it is that's leading your church. They're just servants. They're just co-workers in the field. Get a right view of God. Growth is only by God. There is no place for boasting or puffing up oneself or others in order to build a status. No, it's all by God's work. Get a right view of your leaders. And then finally, as Paul continues this theme, he says we need to get a right view of gospel ministry. We need to get a right view of gospel ministry. Paul carries on with this metaphor of building in verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. That word expert is is wise. He uses that language of wisdom and says, you want wisdom? I was the wise builder. And someone else is now building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, he comes off the back of saying, look, don't raise your leaders too high. They're just servants. But then he carries on and goes, even though they're servants, who they are and what they do, it's not irrelevant. Paul says, I am the wise builder. As the church planter, I laid the foundation And the foundation is Jesus Christ. It is a solid foundation. Don't ever move from that foundation. And so Paul and Apollos came and and they built on that foundation of Jesus Christ by teaching Jesus Christ. They gave the people Jesus. The only authenticity is being founded on Jesus Christ. And so Paul warns those who who maybe have come and and are now looking to lead the church, maybe new church leaders, maybe those inside the church taking on responsibility. And when someone else comes to build, as is happening in in Corinth, they cannot change that foundation, but build upon that foundation. And so what you build upon that foundation is key. And so the question of verses 12 to 15 is, will it last? Let me read those verses to us. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. I don't know how you feel as you read those verses. Those are some tricky verses going on. So let's take our time as we work through them and think about what is going on in these verses. 
and therefore what is not going on in these verses. This day that is mentioned with a capital D, this is the final day. This is the day of judgment. And so Paul says, as, as normal day brings everything to light, so a day is coming when the effectiveness of people's work will be brought to light, this day of judgment. And not just that work will be revealed like day brings light to reveal. No, it will be tested in fire. And so where what we have built and what we have used will be tested by fire. And so in verse 12, it, it seems like we have in this list of things, two lists. Those that will withstand the test, uh, gold and silver and costly stones, and those that will not withstand the test. Uh, wood, hay, and straw. And notice in verse 15, really importantly, in verse 15, the fire is testing the work, not the person. It is not a testing or a purifying of the worker, but a testing of the work. And so the worker is still saved, Paul says. The work may be consumed, but the worker is saved. They will escape through the flames. And then we have this topic of rewards that's brought up. He will receive his reward, almost an, a, an appropriate pay to the appropriate work. What is the reward, though? And, and we're not told here. Paul doesn't tell us what this reward is. He just states that there will be a reward. A reward. And, and that seems to be a common theme throughout the New Testament. When rewards are mentioned, not much is given as to what this reward might be. So Jesus speaks of rewards in the, in the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6, and he doesn't expand on what they are. In Luke's um, version of the Sermon of the Mount, he talks about, then your reward will be great, and you will be the children of the Most High. Seems to uh, imply that our reward is to be children of God. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, when, when Paul talks about the crown that he will receive, what does he say his crown is? He points to the believers and say, you are. It's seeing you in heaven, that will be my crown. That will be my reward. Others think the, the reward is, is simply, I say simply, wonderfully arriving at heaven and receiving the praise from God. The words from God in Matthew 25, well done, good and faithful servant. And so just in the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 5, Paul says, at that time, each will receive his praise from God. Could you imagine that? We praise God throughout our lives here. We go to heaven to praise God, and as we get there, we receive praise from God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Look, maybe the uncertainty in what this reward is, maybe um, not being totally clear on what it is, helps us to not get too hung up on what it is. But just being there, being in the presence of God Almighty, will be such a reward. And so Paul challenges the leaders here. What are you building? And, and not just the leaders, but, but all those who will be involved in gospel ministry. And if you were here on Wednesday evening, we, we heard in Ephesians how Paul talks about all those who are part of the church have their part to play. And so will we build on and will we build with 
the right things. Paul says, stick to the foundation. Stick to Jesus Christ. And says, don't build with wood or hay or straw. Don't look to worldly wisdom. Look to the wisdom of the cross. Don't point to self. Point to Christ. Don't look to what the culture of the world around us, shaped by the spirit of the world around us, says. No, stick to the spirit of God and what he says. And so your ministry will be shown for what it is. Build with gold, silver, costly stones. Keep to the foundation of Jesus Christ. Build with care. Preach and teach and stick to Jesus Christ. Love one another. Pursue unity in Christ. As we finish, let me finish with two stories. One that's made up, one that is true. I'll let you decide which one relates to you more. Here's the first one. Maybe you'll recognize it from when you were younger. Uh, There was once three pigs who left home and had to build their own houses. And so one decided to build the house with straw. One decided to build the house with wood. And the other one took much longer. The other two laughed at him but thought, no, I'm going to take the time and build with bricks. And so, as many of you will know, the wolf comes and he huffs and he puffs. And he manages to blow over the house of straw and of wood. But he huffs and he puffs and he huffs and he puffs and the house of bricks, well, that doesn't move. What you build with is important. Look, maybe I've just made the mistake of teaching you with milk rather than solid foods. Um, So here's a true story. Um, A man called Charles Simeon was appointed minister of Holy Trinity Church in Cambridge in 1782. He served in that church for 54 years. And for much of his time there, he was despised as their minister. Not just from local people in Cambridge, but as members of his congregation. They boycotted the services. They locked the pews so no one else could come in and sit. So Charles Simeon got chairs in and put them in the aisles where people who did want to hear him could come and sit, including many students from the university. And so the church threw the chairs out. There was opposition for years, But Charles Simeon was convicted that he needed to just keep preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And slowly but surely, the tide changed. And so by the time of his death, hundreds had come to Christ through his ministry. And so at his death, they put a memorial in his church that said these words behind me. In memory of the Reverend Charles Simeon, 54 years vicar of this parish, who, whether as the ground of his own hopes or as the subject of all his ministrations, determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. What are you building with? Are we building upon the foundation of Christ? And as we do, will we pray that God will do his work through his word in this church? Why don't we take a few moments of quiet and then I'll pray for us.
Father God, help us to hear the warning that Paul gives in these verses. Help us not to get distracted with the things of this world, the things the world says are important, but help us to remain firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ and so build upon that foundation with Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to remain faithful. And as we do, Lord, may you do your work and may in your grace and mercy build this church. In Jesus' name, amen.